Hallelujah. Let's pray and jump into it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's true and it works in our lives every single time, even when we're not looking, that you're behind the scenes working on our behalf. Nothing is surprising you. You're not asleep at the wheel. There's nothing snuck up on you. And I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Now, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you give each individual uh, that hears this specific rhema for them, spoken word, spirit-to-spirit -spirit communication that you would get them course corrections, that you would get them encouragement, that you would get them exhortation. and Just, I speak life to them right now in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you that you give me utterance, that if I mess it up in the saying, what you've put on my heart, that you fix it in the hearing before it gets downrange. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to start off in Matthew 6, verse 22. So if you've got your Bibles, just uh, go ahead and grab them. Uh, grab a pen and paper, man. Um, I'm super excited. While you're turning to Matthew 6, uh, I, I just want to kind of get you up to speed. Um, the last time that I was in uh, publicly uh, taught the word in the, in, in a, in the pulpit uh, was in February of 2009. And now it is uh, April 2020. And I'll tell you what happened was like uh, when, and if you, you guys have known the first iteration when I was pastoring Covenant Life Outreach Church, from 2005 to 2009, that the, I would just come and teach whatever the Holy Spirit gave me, and I was being taught of God, and it was like a pipeline, man. It was so exciting, the stuff that we laid down, like the covenant, the nine steps of the covenant ritual. So, and we, that's how the, it was the very first stuff that we taught, and it was amazing, right, that we found out what communion was all about, that we found out why the virgin birth, why did Jesus have to be on the cross, the nine steps of the covenant, right? And then we went into equity or righteousness and how does God hand down judgments and that righteousness is the word equity and what sin means and good and evil, right? Just the basics of what's the difference between good and evil and what are those and uh, faith and, uh, you know, the Zoe life of God, you know, eternal life, perpetual, instantly and constantly renewed, right? And how to hear God for myself in the conscience series, our co-perceiver and all that stuff. There's, there's literally in the character of God, there's like five years worth of content there. And I remember clearly um, in February of 2009 that it, it just shut off. And the Holy Spirit told me, you have enough word. You've got enough revealed knowledge. You have enough revealed truths. Now go do something with it. Uh, so it just, the, the faucet just turned off and I was getting nothing new. Um, and then we went and we tried to do the, the, we, I, you know, beating a dead horse, right? We just tried to keep, keep it going. And I was just kind of rehashing the stuff that I was saying and it was dead. Not that it was dead. The word's true, but it wasn't fresh and new. And, and I was just rehashing kind of for the next nine months. And then uh, as you guys, uh, that are familiar with me, you know, I went to Afghanistan, um, and I, I left pastor and God, you know, put on my heart to go back to work in the security industry. I did four deployments to Afghanistan, one to Jordan, one to Kosovo. And I was teaching um, for the State Department high threat diplomatic security and this, what this whole mental toughness stuff was, right? Uh, critical thinking and emotional. And what I was doing was taking the principles of the word and then teaching them, right? Taking the, the references out of the, you know, I'm not using scripture references, but I'm teaching those principles to SEALs, Marines, Rangers, and Special Forces guys. And I, I, I felt like I was doing more pastoring, you know, downrange when I was in the sandbox than I was when I was pastoring, right? So, and then uh, that uh, went on for, you know, five years. And then I started the Mental Toughness Training Center. And I really dug into that whole time doing with the word, taking the research, right? Finding the science. And this, you'll find this out about me that I, uh, that science always backs up the Bible. The Bible is my highest authority, but I love science. 
I don't discount any science. And every time new information comes in from science, right, I look at it and then I go to work. And then I find out and do the investigative work and find out how science, again, continues to back up the Bible every single time. So I took the neuroscience, the biopsychology, which is like performance psychology on steroids, you know, um, how the body, mind, and emotions all work, and, and, uh, and, and found out hard scientific data, plus and took empirical research and then mixed it with the word, and that's what I was teaching to corporate and professional athletes and, you know, CEOs, and I would go into a company and teach them really the principal do keynote speeches, and it's really the word, right, but couched in corporate language, if you will. Um, and so, but just so I've been on that path for six or seven years, knowing the whole time that, that my favorite thing in the world is to teach the word and to hear um, that pipeline from the Holy Spirit, right, that anointing and just getting fresh revelation and when he's just showing me stuff in the Word, there's nothing I love better than that. So this morning, I'm like a little kid at Christmas time. So a couple of days ago, uh, I was listening. And I'll tell you that those, those, that five years that I taught at the clock, those things are still available. But that, that's five years of Word kept me for the last 12, right? And, and my family. And we fed on it. And we did something with it. And I didn't just say, oh, well, it's over, you know. And I did what God told me to do was go do something with it. And so we did. Um, and, and two days ago, I was listening to one of the Zoe Life of God series, and, and right in the middle, just in the middle, I was, I was taught like, I don't know, 13, 14 years ago, and just right in the middle, there was an offhand comment that just talked about a catalog of truths. So you need to catalog revealed truths of Him. And it just went off like a lightning bolt on the inside of me. Or you could say this, the spigot was opened, right? And, and uh, the Holy Spirit started pouring out stuff on me again. <laughs> it was like crazy because it hadn't happened since 2009, February. Um, and uh, wow, right? So I, I, I'm going to, and I was like, well, Father, I don't have any word to teach. He's like, like, just no one is going to church right now. Everybody's online anyway. Just get your butt down into your studio, <laughs> right? And so here I am. So I'm going to, we're going to lay this out. And uh, Mike and Cheryl, you're hearing this. I'm seeing you in the front row. Okay. <laughs> it's almost like we never even left. All right. So let's jump into Matthew 6 and verse 22. Matthew 6 and 22. And it says, this is Jesus talking. It's in red in my Bible. That's how I know it's Jesus, right? The light of the body is the eye. Or the Greek for the eye is, is, could be the word vision or focus, right? So the light of the body is the eye. The light of the body is your focus, and if therefore your eye or your focus be single, the whole body should be full of light. The whole body, it shall be full of light. And in verse 23, it says, But if thine eye or your focus be evil, then the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee is darkness, oh, how great that darkness is. And if you guys remember the word evil, and if you don't, and you're like, well, what are you talking about? Remember uh, that the word evil, I went back and studied this out the, since the garden, the first time that was ever introduced into the Bible, the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, there was 15 components to that word evil. 15 components, and I'll just run over them real quick for you again, in case you remember, right? It's the Hebrew word ra'ah, and it means adversity. It's 15 components. Adversity, affliction, calamity, displeasure, distress. Sound familiar? Like to be anxious? A great grief, harm, if it's harmful, there's heaviness, there's hurt, there's ill favor where people don't like you or you think they don't, there's misery, there's sadness, there's sorrow, there's trouble and wrong, right? Any of these things, if your focus is 
If you, your eye sees, and that's what your focus becomes on evil, adversity and affliction and calamity and distress, right? And anxiety. And that's what's going on right now. This COVID-19 and the entire economy's tanking and the entire globe, right? It's not just here. It's like, and every time you turn on the news or any social media feed, it is constantly distress. It's constantly anxiety. It's constantly misery and adversity and uh, destruction and calamity and all and, and these predictions of doom. And you know what? I'm not saying they are or they're not, right? But what I'm saying is for us, for covenant people, and what Jesus said, he said, if your eye is focused on uh, singular and focus and it's focused on the light, your whole body's going to be full of light. But if your singular focus is on darkness, on evil, the whole body is full of darkness and it's super great darkness. So we're going to have to shift our focus. So the Holy Spirit began to teach, talk to me about where's my focus. That focus, right? And this is all part of that. Like if you guys have known any of my corporate stuff, right? I teach people to train like a sniper. Think like a sniper, right? The sniper has clearly defined target and his focus is on that target, right? So uh, Jesus really is our example, right? So we're not, uh, the master is the perfect example. So if you guys flip over to Hebrews 12, and verse 2, Hebrews 12 and verse 2, let's look and see what it says about Jesus, right? And how he, he like ex, uh, exemplified this, what he just said about what his focus was, and that his whole body would be full of light. And if his focus was evil, that his whole body was... So Jesus had the opportunity, right? He was tempted at all points like we are. He had the opportunity to switch his focus. Remember, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says, he's crying, he's like sweating blood and tears, and he, and, and he says, Father, not my will, but yours. If you, there's any other way, like take this cup from me. If there's any other way that I don't have to go to the cross and go into hell, take it from me, man, because I really don't, you know, but not my will, yours. And so how did Jesus get through that? Yeah, uh, in Hebrews uh, 12 and verse 2, it tells us, right, it says that looking unto Jesus, so I'm going to check out, the, right, my number one example is Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and was set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, listen, here's his target. His target is being set down. His focus is being set down at the right hand of God. So he's looking and blood and sweat and tears, and he knows he's about to get beaten, and he knows he's about to get nailed to that cross, and he knows, for, and even worse than that, going to spend three days into hell, uh, that he says, hey, look, man, um, I'm looking at being set down at the throne of God, and that it says he despised the shame. So the word despise just means that something is not worthy of your attention. He deemed the shame. He deemed the pain. He deemed the evil, right? The adversity, the affliction, the distress, the calamity, the anxiety. Yes, Jesus, like that, all that came upon him. And what he did is he said, you know what? That's not worthy of my attention or that's not worthy of my focus, right? He didn't even pay attention to it. And he shifted his focus towards sitting at the right hand of God. That's where his end game was. And he saw how awesome that would be. And in verse 3 of Hebrews 12, it says, for, let's consider him that he endured such a contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your minds. In your minds. Unless you weary and be, and be faint in your minds. Listen, wherever your focus goes, it's going to affect your mind. Your focus will dictate which direction you're looking, which direction you're meditating, and it's going to dictate your results. If you're focusing on adversity and affliction and calamity and misery, right, and distress, right, then your results are going to go down that path. It's like <clears throat> when you're driving a car. 
when I was first learning how to drive, wherever I looked is where the car would go, right? And that's that, where you're, wherever your focus goes, the car goes. It's just how it is. This is the, the, the body, right, goes where the eye looks, according to Jesus and according to science, right? The Bible, it's plus science. Now, if you guys would flip over to James chapter 1, James chapter 1, uh, I want to look at this some more about the focus and your mind. There's a connection here between focus and your mind and then the body, right? Jesus said where your eye looks, then your whole body, right? So it's the focus turns into your mind. Your mind dictates where your body goes and what your body does or your actions dictate your results. So James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Now listen, James is Jesus' brother. Right? So back in the day, we know that, that, that his family wasn't like all on board. But at the end, James, at least, right, got on board and he was like the, uh, the head elder, if you will, the archbishop of the church of Jerusalem after Jesus uh, rose from the dead. He says this, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or trials. Like there's a lot of divers, it says in the King James, that means diverse or a lot of trials and temptations, right? So we're, like, I'll say it like this, when bad news happens, get happy. This is what he said, right? This is his version of it. Like that's what I say is when bad news happens, get happy. As he counted all joy, like get happy when trials and a lot of them show up. He says, because you know this, that the trying of your faith or the proving of your faith, the proving of your belief works patience. And remember, patience is the quality that refuses to give up. But let patience, let that quality that refuses to give up have her perfect work or mature, right? Let, let it cook right till it's done. Don't take it off the burner before it's finished, right? We don't want any raw patience like we don't want raw chicken or undercooked chicken. You don't want undercooked you know, the quality that refuses to give up. That you may be perfect, that you would be mature, that you would be entire, that you would want nothing. And if any of you lack wisdom, like if you find you're in a spot and you're like, God, I don't know what to do. And you're looking at all this stuff. It's crazy out there on planet Earth right now, but you don't know what to do. He said, if you're lacking, and wisdom is the way you make decisions. If you're lacking, right, we don't know how, what decisions to make. If you lack that wisdom, he said, ask God. He gives to all men liberally. He gives to all men liberally. Not just the ones that are born again. Not just the ones that are quote, quote, saved. Not just the ones of this group or that group. He said, who? All men. If you ask God for wisdom, he will give it to you. And it says he upbraids not. He's going to be like, he going to like, he'd be like, oh, you want some wisdom now? Where were you last week? Where were you before COVID hit? COVID or COVID, COVID-19. I keep calling it COVID, coronavirus. Like COVID-19, where were you before that? He isn't going to say any of that. He says he doesn't upbraid you. He's not going to give you a hard time because you came to him and asked for wisdom. He said, so if you, you just go ahead and ask, it's going to be given to you. But, he said, here's the but, right? But ask in faith, nothing wavering. So faith is just absolute confidence. It's absolute trust. So you ask, you ask him, it don't even waver. He says, because he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea tossed with the wind and driven, right? Or driven with the sea and tossed to and fro, right? So, and he says, so don't, what we're going to do is be confident that he doesn't upbraid you. Be confident that he gives you the wisdom and not waver because you're going to be tossed like a, a wave in the sea and, and the wind is going to be, you know, blowing you all over this way and that way. So in verse seven, he says, for let not that man, who man? The man that thinks that he is back and forth. The man that wavers, 
let that, that man think who is wavering that he's going to receive anything of the Lord because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And it actually says in the Greek, a two-focused man. A double-minded man. It's two different focuses. Two focuses. You're unstable. So there's no, like, and you've heard me say this before, there's no backup plan. There's plan A, and there's different routes to get to plan A until plan A disappears. There's no plan B. There's no backup plan. There's plan A. B, right, you're not double-minded. Well, I should do this or I should do that. You end up getting nothing. Zero, right? So, listen, uh, where your focus goes, remember, single, where your eye is, singular eye, right? Where the, the eye is single. So you have a single focus, the whole body will be full of light. You cannot focus on, you can't shift your focus between evil, all the distress, and all that. Listen, I'm aware of all the distress, but I, I deem it, I'm just like Jesus, I despise all that nonsense, unworthy of my attention. I'm not on the Twitter feed trying to find out the latest, you know, thing that gets shut down, or the latest thing that got taken away from us, or the latest unemployment numbers, the latest market tank, or how low, right? I'm aware of all that, but I'm not focused on all that. I'm focused on the catalog of truths, which we'll get to in a minute, right? Well, I'm going to do what Jesus did and look at my target and focus on where I'm going. And listen, you guys know I've talked about this before, that I have the 300-year plan. My, my target, my emerald city, if you will, where I'm going, like Jesus was sitting on the right hand of the throne of God, my is like a 300-year plan. It's multi-generational. So I'm looking to that 300-year plan and the joy that will happen when we uh, accomplish that multi-generations. Be right, a, a, an upright man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and I'm going to keep going, children, children, children. Right? So, but when I'm looking at that, it's a 300-year plan. I don't care about a bad day. I don't get stressed about it. I don't even It's just a blip in the road. I don't care about a bad week, a bad year. I could have a bad decade. And in the light of the 300-year plan, I don't even care. Yes, it might be uncomfortable, but I deem it unworthy of my attention. Okay, so when we get to that point, uh, look over in Mark 9, Mark 9 and verse 7. We'll just look at that real quick before I jump on, because I want to I look at Peter, right, when he was walking on the water, because that <laughs> it shows us, like, Peter's a great example of what happens when you double-minded, when you lose focus or you're focusing on two things. All right, so Mark 9 says this. If your eye or your focus offends you, pluck it out. For it's better to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye or single focus than having two eyes and to be cast into hellfire. Right? Well, and this is Jesus talking. Whenever I look at that, I'm like, man, pluck your eye out, cut your hand off. He's talking about your focus is so vital to your success that you should protect your focus at all costs. Let me say that again. Your focus is so vital and essential to your success of hitting your target that you need to protect it at all costs. And it's so valuable that he said, listen, if your focus is dull, if you got, you're looking at this eye with that thing and that eye with that thing, like pluck out the one that is looking at evil because it's better that you cut that eye off and refocus on the singular focus of this catalog of good of whatever God's called you to do, of this catalog of truths of Him, if you focus on Him and not the evil, listen, you're going to go there, just like driving the car, where your focus goes, your energy goes, that's where your, the direction of your life goes, and the, your decisions are made that way. Even outside your conscious mind, you don't even realize you're making them. He said, this is how important it is. That, you know, if you, you lose focus, man, one of your eyes is looking one way and you're looking the other way, like double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways, you're losing focus, it's better for you to cut one of your eyes out, to pluck that sucker out, get rid of it, and refocus. 
Because what happens when you're focusing on two things, only disaster happens. Focusing on two things. So let's look at this about Peter walking on the water, right? You probably already know it, but Matthew 14, if you turn over to Matthew 14. In Matthew 14, and we'll start in, let's start in verse 22. And straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So here's Jesus. He's just had a big, con you know, big convention, a big conference. Multitudes are all over. He just did healing and all that. And so he says, listen, guys, you go ahead and get in the ship, go over to the other side, go to the next, you know, uh, stop on our itinerary. I'll close out the service and get everybody, I'll make sure I'll shut the lights out, right? So when everybody gets out. So off they went. And this is just right after he fed the 5,000, the little loaves and fishes. They picked up the 12. And he said, oh, you guys go ahead. I'll be there. We're going to shut down this conference. And so when he had sent the multitudes away, he goes up into a mountain apart to pray. So he has his fortress of solitude time. And when the, he's remaking sure he's, he's on his right focus. Uh, and so he, it was evening time. And so he's up there by himself. But the ship was now in the middle of the sea. And it was tossed. There was like a weather storm came up, right? A weather system. And it was tossed with waves. And the wind was contrary to them. So they're going against the wind. And it was the fourth watch of the night. So it's between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., right? This is when you're like doing the head bob. Anybody that's done a midnight shift, it doesn't matter how long you've been doing midnights. Between 3 and 6, right? You start, oh my goodness, you know, you're, you're, you're out of it. Your circadic rhythm is off, right? So it's, it's this time of day, 3 to 6 a.m. And so Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. Man, they freaked out. You would too, right? I listen, man. They're like, oh my gosh. And they're like, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Man, this is like a Scooby-Doo episode. Oh my goodness, right? So they're freaking out. But straightway, so Jesus, he sees them. He yells out to them. He speaks to them saying, be a good cheer. It's I. Don't be afraid. And so here's Peter's great, you know, he's going to test this. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out to you on the water. Like, <laughs> that's your great litmus test. Like, what if it was like, you know, he's hoping that this evil, this ghost isn't evil and just tells him, come on out on the water anyway. If it's you, just tell me, come on out there. But Jesus said, well, come on, right in verse 29. And so Peter, he gets out of the ship and he walks on the water to go to Jesus. So he's out there. He's walking on the water, man. This is like, woo. And, they, and his focus is he's walking towards Jesus. And then it says in verse 30, but when he saw the wind was boisterous. Now let me ask you, how can you see the wind? How do you see wind? Right? But what happened is he split his focus. He stopped focusing on getting to his destination, his target destination, going to Jesus. And he began to be distracted right, by these other things. And he deemed it worthy of his attention to look at the wind. And he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said, O thou of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they came into the ship, the wind ceased, and they worshipped him, I'll bet. Listen, when you split your focus, this is so important. When you split your focus, you're automatic. This is a downhill, right? There's the, water runs downhill like gravity, just like you go towards evil. It, it's an uphill climb to go towards good, to focus on the good things, to focus on your target, to focus on these revealed truths of who Jesus is, who the Father is, what his character is. <laughs> As I said in the opening prayer, no, this didn't sneak up on God. He wasn't asleep at the wheel. I'm like, oh my gosh, COVID-19, COVID-19. Reminds me of that, you know, uh, the, the monster 
uh, ink, you know, 2319, 2319, you know, because somebody had a sock stuck on his back. Okay, so it's, it's, not, it's not freaking him out, right? So it shouldn't be freaking us out. And listen, we keep finding this thing about your mind, right? It said in, in Hebrews 12 that consider him that endured such a contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied. Like, act like Jesus did. Think about what Jesus did. He despised the evilness. He despised, deemed unworthy of his intention, adversity, affliction, right, misery, distress. And he focused on his end game target. He said, you do the same thing unless you be wearied and faint in your minds. And then we saw in James that a double-minded man, uh, unstable in all of his ways, gets nothing of the Lord. So there's this connection of where you look, your eye goes into you, right, where your mind goes. And then what Jesus said, that when the eye is singular, your whole body is full of light. It's what happens to your body. You're pushing out your airspace. And then you begin to take behaviors and actions in that direction. And that's what produces your results. So your results are dictated by where your mind goes, which are dictated by where your focus goes. I hope you're following this. Look, in Romans 8, verse 6, it says this, to be carnally minded is death, or naturally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life and peace. And again, you can't split your focus between what's going on in the disaster. You need to be aware of it, but I deem it unworthy of my attention. I don't focus on, because that's what carnally minded is, naturally minded. Naturally minded, and listen, bless their hearts, I am mad at the news media. I am mad at the politicians. Any of them, that they're, they're operating out of their natural mind. And if you operate out of your natural mind, you should be scared too of all this stuff, of not just the virus, whatever, but the economic disaster, whatever, the social uprising, whatever, all of our, you know, First Amendment rights being taken away, whatever, right? All of our freedoms, at whatever. That your natural mind will go down that, but that, that's death, okay? That only leads to the end, right? What we need to do is be spiritually minded, be like, man, you know, I'm joined to the Lord. I'm one spirit. As Jesus is in this world, so am I. If Jesus ain't worried about it, I shouldn't be worried about it. You think Jesus is worried about getting COVID? Let me just say it like this. Remember the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, say it with me. Which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth, as it is in heaven. Let's just stop right there. Jesus said, here's God's will, that it would be done on earth the same way it's done in heaven. Let me ask you, are they on like social distancing, quarantine, lockdown in heaven because of this? then it's not His will that it would be happening here. Are they worried about the economy going into recession or depression? Then it's not His will that it would be happening here. But because you operate out of a carnal or a natural mindset, you focus on those things, your mind goes to those things, your body does behaviors that line up with those things, and it dictates your results. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life and peace. Listen, that Greek word peace is uh, uh, irene. That's where we get the name Irene from, peace, irene. It means this, that you're exempt from the rage and the havoc of war. That you're exempt from the rage and the havoc of war. Right? It doesn't say you're exempt from the war. You're exempt from the rage and the havoc of it. War could be happening all around you, but I'm at peace, right? That's why people like, uh, we like to quote that, the peace that passes all understanding. People are like, why are you not freaked out? Uh, because my focus is in a different place. I'm spiritually minded. I ask God for wisdom. I know he gives it to you without upbraiding you, without giving you a hard time about it. 
And I don't waver from that. I know that since I asked him to how to make good decisions and which decisions I should make, that he's going to give it to me. And I believe in faith that I will make those good decisions. I ain't scared. I'm not wavering. I'm not seeing the winds are boisterous. I'm not seeing that the news reports are boisterous. I'm not seeing all the impending doom, right? I'm going to make good decisions. And I'll tell you this, you've heard me say this for years, right? When, again, back to bad news happens, get happy. Covenant people always do better in a crisis. <laughs> and if you look out throughout the word, covenant people, there's always a crisis. There's always going to be a fight that God always makes it come out better for you. Uh, so I'm excited. Like, do I, is it uncomfortable? Sure. Is it my favorite? No. You know, my kids lost a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff out of this, right? A lot of cool stuff. But we're all together, we're happy, and we're focused on the things going forward, our 300-year plan. So, talking about peace, being exempt from the rage and the havoc of war. In 2 Peter, let's turn to 2 Peter 1-2. 2 Peter 1-2. 2 Peter 1-2. It says this, 2 Peter 1-2. And listen, I'm going to tell you this phrase Grace and peace has been used 17 times, this greeting, by all, like John, Peter, Paul. It's like the standard greeting. It says this, grace and peace, grace and peace over and over again. Grace and peace be unto you, grace and peace be unto you, grace and peace be unto you. And the word grace is charis. We get the word charisma from. It's favor, right? Favor, doing you a favor. It's, a, it's just a gift of somebody doing you a favor and God doing you a favor. He said, grace, favor, and peace that you would be exempt from the rage and the havoc of war be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. Through the knowledge. How does grace and peace get to us? How do we, and, and we're going to focus in on peace, right? We do like favor. We will do that on another time. But right now, we're talking about being exempt from the rage and havoc of this crazy war. And that's what everyone's calling it, a war, the invisible enemy, right? The, this war on our health. This war on our prosperity, which is very interesting because in 3 John verse 2, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. And here's the kicker. Here's how you get to prosper and be in health is by your soul, your mind and emotions and will prospering. Very interesting that God's highest wish for us is that we would prosper and be in health. The two things that are under attack right now are our prosperity and our health. Uh, But the way that we get it is through our mind, will, and emotions, our soul, our mind, will, and emotions prospering. And that when we know that what your focus goes, your mind goes, and the way your mind goes, the actions you take, your body goes, and then you get your results. This whole thing is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Not for covenant people. That's not for us. We're refocusing our mind, right? As my soul prospers, as my mind, will, and emotions prosper, this catalog of truths. When I heard that statement, catalog of truths, it went off like a bolt of lightning on the inside of me. And what we're going to do, you know, as we go forward is start to catalog these truths. Start to catalog these truths about Him, about His Word, about what, how it applies to you, and how it applies to me. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge, and that's that, and all knowledge is is a catalog of information. If you're looking up Google, it, you know, you put in the search engine, it just catalogs where you can find information. The dictionary is a catalog of information. It's like when I was growing up, right? The Sears catalog would come for Christmas. It was our favorite thing because it was a catalog of all the information of new toys that were out there, 
What we're going to do is create this catalog of information of truths because peace comes from the knowledge, from the catalog, knowing what these truths are of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. Super interesting, because if you turn over to Isaiah, turn over with me to Isaiah 26 and verse 3. Isaiah 26, because here's the Old Testament uh, version of peace, right? So the Greek word for peace is irene. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew, which you probably already know this, right? Hebrew word for peace, shout it out if you know, right? Shalom. Shalom in the Hebrew, it means literally this, nothing missing, nothing broken, not literally, but connotatively, which I learned when I was on Lieberman's detail. Right? Joe Lieberman's an Orthodox Jew. We would go to synagogue on Saturday, and with the rabbinical students, the seminary, the guys being rabbis, we'd all hang out and talk. And they taught me probably more than I taught them, right? But they taught me that shalom in their slang means nothing missing, nothing broken. But shalom explicitly, definitively, is a seven-category section of peace, which is super interesting, right? Evil was, at a Hebrew was 15 categories of adversity, affliction, calamity, great grief, harm, heaviness, right? Sorrow, trouble, wrong, and anxiety or distress. Here's the seven parts of peace of shalom. Uh, uh, shalom is spiritual health. It's physical health. It's mental health. It's emotional health. It's social health. It's financial health. And it's safety. Let me say it again. Spiritual health, physical health, mental health, emotional health, social health, which is good relationships, financial health, you know what that means, and safety. If we look here in Isaiah 26 and verse 3, Isaiah, well, it says this, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. And that it, literally in the Hebrew, it says that will keep him in shalom, shalom. Perfect peace is really peace, peace or shalom, shalom. You'll keep him in double shalom, shalom, exponential shalom, spiritual health, physical health, mental health, emotional health, social health, financial health and safety, whose mind is stayed on thee. Why does his mind stay there? Because he trusts you. He trusts God. When you trust God, it's your mind again, where your focus is. Right. Jesus said that the eye when it's singular, when your focus is singular, your whole body would be full of light. Here in Isaiah, he says, listen, you're going to get double shot of peace, double shot Tuesday, double shot of peace when your mind, your focus is stayed on God, when it's stayed on His Word, when it's stayed on these catalog of truths that we're fixing to start cataloging. Do you see the connection between where you look, where you put your attention, and where your mind goes, and then where your actions are taken, and then that's your results. Listen, I'm going to take a second and we'll do this. Here's the neuroscience behind that. We found out through fMRI, functional magnetic brain imaging, that the brain takes in 11 million bits of information per second. Through what we see, what we hear, what we feel, what we touch, what we smell, 11 million bits of information. We're vacuuming up all this information but only 126 bits goes to our conscious mind for action. So we literally discard 99.9% .9 of the information we take in, and we only act on, I say, we take in broadband speed, but we only act up on dial-up speed. So that 126 bits of, per, of information per second. How do we pick that? Very interesting. What we found out in neuroscience is the way that we pick that 126 is through what we think, 
what we feel, what we believe, what our opinion is, and our attitude is. An opinion is just a soft word for belief. So if you believe that all these things that are happening are bad, then you're just going to focus on those things. If you believe that covenant people always, always stayed on the, that trust God, that I know that he said all the promises are yes and amen in him, right? That he's, if he gave Jesus, he's not withholding one good thing from you or me. He's not withholding one good thing from us. If we believe that, then I'm going to focus on that. And you know, these other things, they're, not, they're discarded in that 99% of the information. Yes, the information's coming in, but I don't take action on it. I'm narrowing because this is the brain narrows the focus. If you focus on that, your 126 is going to be adversity and affliction and misery and distress and oh my gosh, the death rate, the infection rate, the economy, the social distancing just got extended again, blah, 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 blah. You, that's all into your 126 and you buy into that. You're, that's where your mind is. You're not going to have peace, peace. And here, I'll tell you this. I said this the other day to one of my to, uh, uh, DB, one of my friends, Doug Brown. And I said, hey, man, you know, I can always tell when someone is not focused, you know, on their target. They're not focused on good. They're not focused on, you know, God. They're not focused on who they are. They're not focused on their covenant because they're all emotionally spun up. Their blood's boiling. They're freaking out. They're panicking. They're posting all the toilet paper memes, right? They're posting uh, faces. They're just so emotionally upset. I know you're, what you're focusing on. And, you know, the Bible says it, and science backs it up. If you're focusing on those things, and it goes to the 126, and that's funny because, well, that goes to our conscious mind for action. You begin to take action on that. And the neurons, well, we found out that fire together, wire together in brain science. That the second you begin to focus on the first time, the neurons fire together and you're creating a pathway. And it's like you're going through the Amazon jungle, right, with a machete. The first time that you say and you start talking and take action on all of that evil and all of the distress. And then the first time you say those talking points, you're cutting a trail. The second time, it's a dirt path beaten down. The third time, it becomes like a gravel road. By the fourth or fifth time, it's a paved highway. Now, after like 10 times of you saying these, rehearsing these talking points of evil over and over again, of distress, of saying the numbers, oh my gosh, the economy's going through the tank. This is whatever you're, you're focusing on that right now. It becomes eight lanes wide and it's the interstate and we're going 75 miles an hour and you can't see anything other than that. And now what we know, because we are creatures of habit, you've created this new habit and that's where you're going. Some of you are going there and you don't even know it. You're so emotionally spun up, you don't even realize it anymore because these neurons have created a new highway, a super highway in your head. Jesus said, listen, where your focus is, like, so build the super highway of these catalog of truths. Focus on these catalog. I'm going to start cataloging truths of spiritual health. I'm going to start cataloging truths of physical health. What the Bible says about your spiritual health and who you are. What the Bible says about your physical health. What the Bible says about your mental health and emotional health and your relationships and your financial health and what it says about your safety. I'm going to start cataloging these truths. And as they're revealed to you, as they become alive to you and you focus on them, become alive to you, and we'll start to teach how you could connect up with the, how you can cooperate with those truths. Because if they're not revealed to you, you're not going to take action on it. If you're not focused on them, you're not trying to figure out how do I cooperate with this promise. If all the promises are yes and amen, and I know by Jesus' stripes I've been healed, and yet people are sick and dying, good people, and I know that Jesus became poor so that I could be rich, 
I know that'll blow your mind, but it's in there. I didn't, I didn't make it up here. We could look at it if you want. You know, just so you know, it ain't Andrew's words. Andrew ain't just making it up. It's in 2 Corinthians. It's in the first chapter of 2 Corinthians. I'm sorry, that's for all the promises are yes and amen. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20. For all the promises of God in Him are yea and in amen or so be it unto the glory of God. All the promises are yes and amen. If you flip over here to 1 Corinthians. I thank my God in verse 4, always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given unto you, the favor of God which is given unto you that in everything you are enriched by Him. In everything you are enriched by Him. Everything you are enriched by Him. 3 John in verse 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health. So I'm going to start cataloging these truths. And we're going to spend time on each one of these. You know how I do, right? We're going to dig in. Listen, the Holy Spirit turned the faucet back on. You know how I teach. If you don't, those, uh, that, that five years worth of uh, content is out there. The five years of teaching on equity, on good and evil, on faith, on worship, on prayer, on healing, right? on the covenant, on your inheritance. It's all out there. We're going to start cataloging these truths, though. God would keep you in perfect peace. Peace, peace. Shalom, shalom. Every area of your life, spiritual health. I, I, let's just take a second for safety right now. Take a second for safety. Let's talk about, okay, catalog safety, just because I know people are in a panic right now. Not you, of course, so we could talk openly about those people because they're not here listening to this. Right? So it's Psalm 20. Let's start in Psalm 20. Psalm 20 in verse 7 says this. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Now, that kind of has a military connotation. Some trust in chariots, some, you know, some in your cavalry, some in your, you know, your, you know, your up-armored division. But it's also the engines of the economy. Some trust in 401ks. Some trust in you know, the GDP numbers. Ouch. But we trust, right? So, but, so this is the beginning of safety, is we don't trust in anything other than God. Anything can happen at any time, as you're seeing. There is no, quote, quote, safety, right? People are always looking for, in the markets, going to a safe investment. They're a safe haven. So the money's going into gold, right? Or the money's coming into U.S. Treasuries because it's the safest of our... Listen, we don't trust in that. Trust in U.S. Treasuries. We don't trust in gold. We don't trust in the... You've got to trust in God. And in Psalm 91, it kind of lays out our safety in every area. Psalm 91 is that covenant protection. <laughs> uh, I don't really publicly tell this story, but I'm going to do it today. During the anthrax crisis after 9-11, I was assigned to Hillary Clinton's detail. And she was at a press conference, and a white powdery substance in an envelope was mailed to her office, and it was open, and it went all over. So now her office is quarantined, because we believe there's anthrax in there. So after she had the press conference over at Capitol Hill, her office was in the Senate office building, um, I was assigned to her along with her Secret Service detail, and uh, I got the information. 
that what was going on. So I walked up to her and whispered in her ear, we can't go to your office. Uh, white powdery substance has been mailed there. It's all over the office. They're under quarantine. The hazmat guys are in there and, and they're testing it. We have to go somewhere else. Do you have a preference where you want to go? She said, well, my people are in the office. I'm going. I said, okay. So the Secret Service guy just flipped out. You can't go in there, and if you do, you have to have a hazmat suit and at least... A, and she's like, no, I'm just going in there. My people are in there. I'm not going to not be in there. There's like 20-year-olds and 22-year-olds, you know, her staff in there. I'm not going to just leave them and abandon them. We're going. He said, well, you got to at least have a mask. He's, he's like, I'm not wearing a gas mask or any of that. So we get into the elevator, and the door's shut. And a lot of times, that's the only time you're by yourself on these protective details. So I was standing in the front next to... Uh, Senator Clinton, and in the back was her, the Secret Service agent in charge and her press secretary. And so the door shut, and then she looks right at me. And she said, Andrew, in the Bible, is it called anthrax or pestilence? <laughs> I said, well, it's called pestilence, and in Psalm 91, you've got covenant protection of it, and if you're with me, none of it will ever come near you. She said, fantastic. So she put her arm in mine, the doors open, and we stepped off to walk into her office, and I turned around to the two guys by I'm like, I'm not sure if you guys are covered or not. They were like, what? I'm like, no, nah, come on, you're good. Right, so that wasn't the first time that I was that, you know, that I operated under Psalm 91 covenant protection. Right, I've lived my life, that was in 2001. I enlisted in the Marine Corps in 1985. The first time I remember they were handing out live rounds was in 1986. I'd only 10 months in the Marine Corps, and I'm off the uh, coast of the Philippines. We're doing a training, quote, quote, operation, and as we're in the Amtraks, uh, they start hand out live rounds, and they're like, hey, the Red Army is, you know, attacking U.S. installations. <laughs> I was like, what? Right, so at that point, it's now it's real. So either Psalm 91 works or it doesn't. It's not just an academic exercise. And from there, you guys know that I did, you know, Desert Storm. I did the Republic of Panama in combat. We did anti-terrorism operations in Honduras. I did four deployments to Afghanistan, right? This is 9-11, the anthrax crisis, uh, street cop. Like that had a nice Psalm 91. I've been living it, right? This, so if you, I, you guys heard me say this, that I, my truth was that I was bulletproof for the 30 years I made my living with a gun. And now that's become a fact. I don't have a scratch on me. And uh, so let's look at Psalm 91. It says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. See, my mind is stayed on him. I'm focused on him. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and the noisome pestilence. Listen, this COVID-19 is a very noisy pestilence. It ain't the first one, though. Listen, well, my, my mom and dad were growing up. It was scarlet fever, and there was yellow fever, and there's cholera, and then there's polio, and oh, the chicken pox, the measles, the mumps, all these noisome pestilence. We didn't even have vaccines for that stuff to like the mid-50s, the early 60s. So relax, Francis, right? The noisome pestilence, whatever the, the pestilence of the you know, decade is, the pestilence of the century that's making noise, it, he'll deliver you from it. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings you shall trust. His trust shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, or the one that we can't see, the invisible enemy. Nor the destruction that wastes away at noonday. The economic destruction that's happening during the day because nobody's doing anything, right? He said he'll protect you from that. Don't fear it. 
A thousand shall fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near thee. Listen, I have a small business. There's a thousand small businesses that are going to fall on the left-hand side of me and ten thousand on the right-hand side of me. Is that scary? Yeah. Do I like it? No. But it's not going to come near me. Think about this. If you were, and what do you see, take it at the, the, the COVID-19, right? Let's imagine you're in a uh, football stadium and there's 100,000 people in there and your section, 1,000 people in your section keel over and die with a virus and 10,000 people keel over and die with the virus on the other side of you. You're in the middle of 11,000 people and you're the only one standing. That would freak me out. Is it scary? Yeah. Wow. Uh, boom. But it says it won't come near you, it won't touch you. And then it says in verse 8 that only with your eyes will you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Listen, the people that aren't in covenant, listen, I hate it for everybody that their business is destroyed. I hate it for every single body that would succumb to any disease, not just COVID-19, but heart disease and obesity and diabetes and cancer, right? I hate it for anybody that would die in a car accident or the flu. I would hate it if they drown in a swimming pool. I hate death at all, 100%. I hate poverty, 100%. I hate when things fail, 100%. But if you're stayed on, listen, I can't help any of that. Everyone has the availability they have the access to. Remember, God gives wisdom to all and upbraids not. All men. Not people that are in the covenant, out of the covenant, Hindu, Buddhist, Shinto. If you ask God for wisdom, he's going to give it to you. It's available to every single person, not just a believer, not just somebody down, you know, that goes to church every Sunday. The sad part is the people that do go to church every Sunday still don't believe this. They're focused on the distress, and it will touch them. You have the choice. If you're in business, you have the choice to focus on him and these catalog truths and trust him that, listen, it's not going to come near me, even though 11,000 people or 11,000 businesses right around me or 11,000 people lost their jobs right around me doesn't come near me. That's up to you. You get to pick it. It says with your eyes only, you're gonna, you'll be a spectator. You observe it. Is that, that's not fun. It's uncomfortable. I hate it for them. I hate the destruction. But I pick for me and for my family. We're not doing that. I don't have to. Verse 9, because you have made the Lord, which is your refuge, even the Most High, your habitation. My, ha my habit. Let me say it like that, right? My habit, right? My, ha my neurons have fired together and wired together, and I have created the habit of looking at these covenant truths. I have supernatural protection. I have supernatural prosperity. I have supernatural intelligence in the mind of Christ. I have supernatural favor. Men and women are looking to do me a favor. I have all these catalogs of truths, and it's my habit. There shall no evil befall thee, no adversity, no affliction, no calamity, no displeasure, no distress or anxiety, no grief, no harm, no heaviness, no hurt, no ill favor, no misery, no sadness, no sorrow, no trouble, no wrong. It will not, verse 10, befall me. Neither shall any plague come near my dwelling. Not only am I safe, but if in your, you're in my house, you're 100% safe. For he shall give his angels charge over thee and keep thee in all these ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest they'll dash a foot against a stone. Listen, I want you to remember this. Do not do something stupid because you're under Psalm 91 protection. <laughs> 
See, when Satan tempted Jesus, he brought him up to the top of the temple mount. He said, hey man, jump off of here. You know, and he quoted this verse. Satan quoted this. The angels will keep you from dashing your foot against a stone. And Jesus said, man, I'm not putting my God and his word to the test. I ain't going to try it, right? In other words, I'm not going to lay down in traffic and claim Psalm 91 protection. It ain't going to work. Whenever I was in a firefight, I never used bad tactics. I never just jumped out in the middle and be like, yeah, and then just ran through the, the, the firefight in the fields of fire claiming Psalm 91. I did everything that I know how to do. Right? Put on the whole armor of God and then stand. Do everything you know how to do doing all, then stand. Right? Don't do something stupid. Right? Don't be like, well, COVID-19 can't get me, so I'm just going to go you know, to the beach and do my spring break party or Mardi Gras or the parade or... Yeah, I even show up in church. Uh, just cracking up because these, you know, there's these ministers, well, they're going to come in here on us. Well, just quit doing dumb stuff, right? Because everybody in your church that shows up is not making the habit of being in these catalog truths if they even believe them or not. Most pastors don't. I've been looking at the online stuff, and they're like, you know, that's not, the, you can just listen to their self-talk. They're not focusing on the catalog of truths. They're focusing on trying to comfort people to get through this. Man, none of it's going to touch anybody that's in the covenant. If your habit is Him, if your habit is these truths, you ain't got to worry about it. It said, no evil shall befall you ever. Not just right now, but after now, before now. It's not going to show up. Verse 13. You'll be able to tread upon the lion, the adder, the young lion, the dragon. You're going to trample them underfoot. Because you have set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him, and I will set him on high because he knows my name. That's what God's saying to you. He says, listen, because you love me and you made me your habit, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to set you on high. That's above everybody else because you know who my name was and you called on me. And when you do call on me in verse 15, I'm going to answer you and I'll be with you in trouble and I will deliver you and I will honor you. And with long life, I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation or my physical rescue. I'll rescue from anything. That's what salvation is, is physical rescue. I'll rescue from the bad economy. I'll rescue from the tanking 401k. I'll rescue you from your business going on. I'll rescue from being unemployed. I'll rescue from right? any of these things that happen. I know that it's only going to be better for me because my habit, my habitation, my habit is these catalogs of truths of Him, revealed knowledge of Him. Look over in Ephesians uh, 1. Ephesians 1, the Ephesians prayer, right? I say this every day. I've been saying it since like 1998. The beginning of the Ephesians prayer. In Ephesians 1, Paul prays this prayer. The Holy Spirit prays this prayer. If you want to pray a prayer, you should pray it for yourself. I do. I put my name in there and every day. I cease not to give thanks, making mention, verse 16, of you in my prayers that the God of my Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto me Andrew D. Whitman. Put your name in there. The spirit of wisdom, revelation knowledge of Him, and that the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened. Let's just stop right there. Wisdom is the ability, the skill to make decisions in real life, real time. Revealed, uh, wisdom equals knowledge plus understanding. Knowledge is that catalog of information. Like the Google search doesn't help you at all until you have an understanding, which is how it works. So these two things, I'm going to add my knowledge, this catalog of truths, that's the first thing, and then I need the understanding, enlighten the eyes of my understanding, of how do I cooperate and hook up with these truths so that it produces wisdom 
the ability to make good decisions in real life, real time. This isn't a joke. Stop wasting your time on adversity, on distress, on calamity. Stop wasting your time freaking out about the economy. Stop wasting your time, right? Focus, put your eye, Matthew 6.22. Matthew 6.22. The light of the body is the eye, or your focus. Therefore, if your eye or your focus is single, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eye or your focus is on evil, your whole body shall be full of darkness. And it's going to be a great darkness. Stop fiddling around and focusing on the wrong things. Focus on Him. Focus on these truths. And I'll begin to catalog them. Spiritual health. Physical health. By Jesus' stripes you've already been healed. Spiritual health. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit, like coffee and creamer. Once you get born again, you can't be unborn. You have all the fullness of God on the inside of you. Now it's time to cooperate with that, right? And once you know that truth, that you're, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit, once you know that truth, now the understanding is, how do I connect up with that in order to, in real life, real time, push that out through my body and enjoy that in this life? Mental health. Remember, spiritually minded. If you're spiritually minded, it produces life and peace. If you're naturally minded, it produces death and fear. Fear and scarcity, love and abundance. Carnally minded, here's how you know. Anything that comes out of your mouth or your thoughts that are based on fear and scarcity is carnally, naturally minded. That's the natural uh, mindset. Spiritually minded, spiritual mindset is love and abundance. We ain't running out of oil. We ain't running out of water. We ain't running out of money. We ain't running out of health. Life and peace. Emotional health. Emotional health. Listen, if you, we'll get emotional health is a big one because controlling your emotions. Right again with your focus. If you're focused on evil, it stirs you up, and, and you know you start to get spun up. Because you're focused on all these things you can't control. Well, the only thing I can control is where my focus goes. Here's a newsflash for you. You can't control the coronavirus. You can't control the economic fallout. You can't control what the politicians and the leaders decide how long you're going to be self-quarantined. You can't control whether businesses fail or not fail. You can't control. The only thing you control is where your focus is. So stop focusing on all the stuff you can't control. Focus on what you can control, which is these truths. You focus on these truths. Psalm 91, go meditate on that. Trust in His name, not horses and chariots. Not naturally minded things. When you do, your emotions will come. Peace be still to the storm. When you're seeing the wind is boisterous like Peter, right? You say, hey man, what did you do? Why are you, why are you, what are you freaking out for, man? You have little faith. And then the storm stopped immediately after that. Emotional health. Social health. You have good relationships. Listen, I know right now, everybody's stuck at home for the first time in a long time without all the distractions, all the excuses on that. We're stuck together. You know what? For me and my family, it's the greatest thing ever, man. We actually like each other. We can't. We love being around each other. There hasn't been any fights. There's no knockdown drag. It's just been wonderful, harmonious. No, it's harmony, not unity. Right? We're not all playing the same note. We're all harmonizing together. 
and it's fantastic. But what I know factually, right, child abuse uh, cases are going up at the ER, domestic violence is going up, people are yelling and screaming at each other, divorce rates are going up right now because they don't have social health. They don't have harmonious relationships. But that is one of the catalog truths that's in here, that you would have harmonious relationships. We'll teach about that. Financial health. I know that's the one you're most interested in. It's at the bottom of my list. Because when you do all these other things, that's a byproduct. Having financial health is a byproduct of having spiritual health, physical health, mental health, emotional health, and social health. When you get all those in order, finances will show up. You've got to worry about it. Listen, Jehovah Jireh means my provider. The Lord, my provider. Provider means provision. Someone who sees ahead. I'll teach you on that truth, but it's going to be at the bottom of the list because it's the last one that you need to be worrying about. You should be worrying about my, my spiritual health first. Who are you? Who do you want to be? Are you spiritually minded? Being spiritually minded is cataloging these truths. Having my spirit run the show. Jesus said this, that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The body is the weakest part of our being. Our spirit, the real you, in my corporate world, I call it CEO of you. CEO of you, that's your spirit. When your, CEO, when your spirit, your human spirit is healthy, it controls the boardroom, and the boardroom is the body, mind, and emotions. And when the boardroom comes together, who usually wins the vote? Body, mind, or emotions. Well, if you're spiritually minded, the mind will win the boardroom. You're not going to make emotional decisions, and you don't do stuff because you feel like it. The body. Or not do stuff because you feel like it. We'll teach on all that. That's, man, I'm excited to be back in the saddle. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you, I'm, a, I'm super excited. But let's you know, look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's do what He did. Lest we be weak and weary and faint in our minds. Let's despise, deem not worthy of our attention, the distress and the anxiety and the disaster that's going on all around us. Focus on the catalog of revealed truths of Him and His Word, because grace and peace be multiplied unto you by the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word, sealing in our hearts. Holy Spirit, come alongside us as the paraclete, our helper, the comforter, the one who teaches us all things that You would, and You show us things to come, that You would help us to bring back to remembrance all things, that you would help us to remember and to be intentional about focusing on the catalog of revealed truths of you, of, your, of the Father, of Jesus, and not be double-minded and double-focused on the adversity and the affliction and the worry and the calamity and the distress and the harm and the heaviness that is going on around us. Yes, I'm aware that it's there. But I refuse to focus on it, and I shift my focus onto the catalogs of God's truth. In Jesus' name, amen.